What's up, everybody? Welcome to a new episode, the first of the year of a Yank in a Suite, a Premier League podcast. I'm your host, Sebastian Noren, with me as always, Elliot Niblock. And boy, has it been a, I don't know what to call it, a cornucopia of uh, great games, of awesome news. And as a Manchester United supporter, you can once again be happy watching the team play. Which is amazing. <laughs> it's so amazing. But we're going to get to that a little bit later. Of course, we have to talk about the title race. Man United, not in that. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, but Liverpool and Manchester City. So after City lost two games in a row for the first time in forever in the league, uh, they dropped three points against Crystal Palace, a 2-3 loss at home. And then they lost on the road against Leicester 2-1. to Liverpool were sort of soaring there towards the top of the table. And then uh, City and Liverpool met on Thursday. And City took a crucial 2-1 to win. Which means that right now Liverpool is sitting at the top of the table with 54 points. Man City chasing them with 50. I think this was vital for the title race. Because if you give Liverpool a seven-point lead, I have a very hard time seeing them dropping that. Well, it could have been ten, right? Could have been ten. Could have been ten. Yeah, I mean, I think that seven points is yeah hard to see. Ten is borderline insurmountable. Um, but uh, I did. I saw somebody pointed out the other day that the exact same fixture on match day thirty-four as twenty fourteen when Gerard slipped. It's happening again in 2019. Liverpool-Chelsea, match day 34. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens. But it's. Uh, I think that was good for the league as a whole. Uh, it's never... I mean, yes, you enjoy no, it. If it's, if it if last it's, year was boring. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. Like, all respect to City. But, yeah, you know, you, like, they're... They're amazing. They won the league. Great. It's barely a competition anymore, except for relegation scrap and top four, yeah. which you know are are interesting. But they're they're subplots. Like it's about the title. It's yeah, about the title. That's the thing. You don't want to see you know a twenty point gap or so down to second place team. And um, right now it's starting to look pretty interesting. Like we said, Liverpool at top fifty four, then City fifty, then you got Spurs with forty eight. Chelsea with 44. Although I think Chelsea are too far behind. Spurs. I mean, I, I mean, guess Spurs I guess you are, can't really count them out. Although I, they I, just are the the like will they or won't they? I mean, they don't have a draw this year. They nope. don't have a single draw of the season. It's That's so true. remarkable. Yeah, they, 16 they wins just, and they five show losses. Show up or they don't. Yeah. Yeah, if we take a look at what they did around the festive period here, uh, 6-2 win over Everton on the 23rd, then 5 nothing win on the 26th against Bournemouth, so that all hunky-dory there. Then they lost 3-1 to at home against Wolves, and then they took up a 3 nothing win against Cardiff here on New Year's Day. Shout out to Stella, she doesn't like Cardiff. Nope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that it's still primarily a two-horse race at the top, but, you know, we were just saying a seven-point gap, yeah, it's probably insurmountable, but you can't say that it's over. Well, now, look, there's a six-point gap between Spurs and Liverpool at the top. So, yeah, I mean, they... they 
And they finally started deserve, They started did, scoring some goals. They started to look more like Spurs that we've gotten used to seeing the past couple of years. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, you know, they've they've earned they've earned the right to be in the conversation but i can't say anything more than that you know i i do not see the spurs team realistically coming out of you know even even march with a real sniff at the title but we'll we'll see i mean i just i think that it is it is the fact that they have they've conceded more than twice as many goals as liverpool Right. You know, Liverpool have only allowed in 10. Tottenham have conceded 21. That's even five more than Chelsea, who sit four points below Tottenham in the table. And I think that they've started to score goals, but they're going to continue to concede them. And I I don't see them actually lifting the trophy this year. But of course, as always, there is the North London is red uh, asterisk to all that I say of Spurs. Yeah. I must admit my color. No, but I mean, that's the thing too. I, I still think that Liverpool and City undoubtedly have a broader spectrum of match-winning players if you compare it to Spurs. I don't think that they have the same level yeah. uh, if you look at the whole squad. I mean, Harry Kane is phenomenal. And and Son and Eriksen are great too. Yes. But I I don't think that... I don't think that you can make an argument that that Troika for Spurs is nearly as strong as the Mane Firmino Salah front three. You know? No, and I mean, honestly, there, there's still potential for growth there, but I, 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 was, I was sort of expecting more from Deli Ali. I was expecting a little bit more from Eric Dyer. Well, uh, yeah, but that's that, that. Therein lies the. The but rub if, of the English Premier League, the inflated national Englishman expectations. Yeah, the hype. That's true. That's very, very true. Okay, Chelsea, if we continue down the table here, Chelsea in fourth, uh, loss against Leicester two, a couple of days before Christmas, then uh, 2 to 1 win over Watford, 1 nothing win on the road against Crystal Palace, and then a scoreless draw at home against Southampton. That's a tough one. Yeah, that's, and, you know, speaking about. Again, all these teams deserve to be in the conversation, but really, it's a two-horse race. Um, those are those are two points that Chelsea will be really ruining at the moment. Um, you know, because the difference between and again, we keep throwing around the same numbers. They are now that ten points off Liverpool, and they're not they're not making that up. You know, we Tottenham may still have a whiff of a chance at the title in February. I think we can almost already say that Chelsea realistically do not. And, you know, for that reason, they should be dipping into the transfer market. Yeah. Yeah, they've secured... We can actually move into that. They've secured one move for the summer, and that's Christian Pulisic, the American, leaving Dortmund, coming over to the Premier League. Unfortunately, it's not to one of our teams. Yeah, breaks my heart to see him in blue. Um, And a little bit surprising... Given that, uh, you know, I know that he was our former colleague, uh, Paulie was very fond of pointing out that he was a boyhood Manchester United supporter. But uh, despite the the bounce that United have seen following the firing of Jose, you can't say that Old Trafford is as stable a place as 
Stamford Bridge is right now. And even though I was just saying that 10 points off the top, Chelsea are not realistically in the title race for the 2018-19 season, I do I rate Sarri very highly. They've got a good manager. They've got a great squad of players. Hazard is definitely leaving. And so Pulisic is going to have playing time because he's going to move up the depth chart. And the, the thing that concerns me is that it is, it is still very much a sink or swim top four team. And Dortmund have been doing great things this season, but he's primarily been coming off the bench. And this really is a kind of make or break moment in his career, you know? And I, he's going to be one of the greatest of all time for the United States men's national team. That's inarguable. But the question is, you know, the where that bar has already been set for the greatest of all time is players like Brian McBride. Clint Dempsey, players who play in the the best league in the world, in the Premier League, start week in, week out, but do so for, you know, mid-table, sometimes even battling relegation teams. And and that is, I think, we just have to be honest, that is where the standard has been set for American players. Now, starting every week for a team that is consistently battling for the top four and has recent titles to its cabinet, that is a whole other bag of worms entirely, and it's going to be exciting. As frustrated as I am to see Christian Pulisic wearing anything but Arsenal red, I am excited to see how he rises to this challenge and if he can make that step up. Because if he does, you know, if he is in his early 20s starting regularly for Chelsea in the Premier League, then I think that if he's doing that this time next season, 21 matches in, you have to say that he's already set a new standard for American players abroad. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it might. Do you think this may, means that Hazard is leaving for sure? Oh, definitely. I, I thought that Hazard was leaving before I saw that Pulisic was going to Stamford Bridge. I mean, I think that he just, he's a little disillusioned. And you know what? He's He's won the league with Chelsea, you know, he's, he's done it. And he's at a point in his career where he can, you know, if he wants to go to Madrid, he could go to Madrid. And that's, is that going to be true two years from now, even a year from now? It's harder to say, Uh, but he's at the moment, he's at, he's world-class. He's at the peak of his powers. He's got a couple seasons left in his absolute prime. And I, I think he just wants to leave to be quite honest. Yeah, no, and I, I think that Real Madrid, seeing how their season is going right now, too, they want to get that new Galactico or two win, and I think Hazard fits the bill there. Uh, so it will be interesting. I think with the price tag of $73 million on Pulisic, he will be getting a regular playing time. I don't think they're going to spend that kind of cash and then have him on the bench. I think it's going to be throw him in there, see how he does. Uh, if, yeah. if it goes really poorly, then yeah, maybe you start playing him off the bench. But I think they're going to put him in every position possible for him to succeed. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think that he's he's going to have his opportunities for sure. They're not splashing that kind of cash with the vision of him being a bit player. But also when you are a club as rich as Abramovich has made Chelsea, then you know, you don't want that, but you can afford to do it. Yeah. Right. So I, so it's still, he's, is he going to have opportunities? Absolutely. Will he seize them? Let's see. You know, I certainly won't 
be trying to cheer Chelsea on towards any silverware, but I, I can't help but cheer for Christian Pulisic. Yep. So with this, he'll become the most expensive U.S. player ever. Yep, and that's been that's been a long time coming. I was going to uh, say, who else is on that list? Oh boy. Um, how much did it was I mean goalkeepers are never as expensive, but I wonder how much Tim Howard was sold from United to Everton for. Oh wow, it was let's see. It was uh John Brooks. Oh John Brooks, of course. 20, yeah, cuz 20 million when, euros. Yeah, when he uh was sold from Hertha. Um oh. Yeah, I mean I, this is Oh God, I I can barely bring myself to talk about the U.S. men's national team. I'm still so bitter about the World Cup, and also bitter about the fact that the next World Cup is being played in the God bless desert. Yep. In a way. Oh FIFA, you are so corrupt. Yep. Oh my God. Yeah, that's too bad. Um, anyway, yes, <laughs> Christian Pulisic to Chelsea. Yes, Good and luck. then it seems like um, Fabregas, Cesc Fabregas, is on his way out. Uh, everything points to him joining Thierry Henry. At Monaco. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, I mean, I think that he, it's a good move for, it's a good move for all parties involved, right? Um, Monaco need to bolster the squad. Uh, Big leadership role right off the bat. Yeah. And and he, he and Henri have a relationship um, built, you know, most in mostly at the London Colney training ground, but you know, like they have a personal relationship already and I think that not only bringing him into a leadership role, but bringing him into a leadership role, having seen the role that even when Henri was you know, not on Arsenal, the, the way that Henri kind of commanded respect at Arsenal, I think will be great for Henri as well, right? You know, I mean, because he is still uh, kind of being blooded as a manager and having a veteran, a veteran world champion with Spain mm-hmm. who as a you know, young pup himself, saw Thierry Henry as this legendary figure at the club who commanded respect. I mean, I think that can only kind of bolster the authority of Thierry Henry in the dressing room and, you know, from a Monaco perspective, hopefully bolster the general cohesion in the team more broadly. Yeah, it hasn't been the best start for Henri there, so hopefully Fabregas can uh, come in and stabilize things a little mm-hmm. bit. Since we are on the U.S. men's national team uh, track here a little bit with Pulisic, uh, Tim Via, or Ve, as you want to call him. <laughs> I know, uh, I know, I'm wrong. I just can't help it. Is uh, going on a loan move from PSG to Celtic. And when I first heard this, I thought, that is really good. Yeah, it is. Uh, and I mean, I think that, you know, I was just speaking about standards for American players and, you know, trying to get regular um, regular playing time in a team that's battling for the title. Well, you know, battles for the title don't happen in Ligue 1. It's just PSG. Sorry. That's just how it is. And yeah, but so, I mean, it's, he's going from a domestic top club to another domestic top club, which I think is good. Yeah. Yeah, because there's right. still I mean, the, the, it's still the pressure of winning every single game mm-hmm. and try to compete in Europe. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good point. I think that that kind of intense pressure is exactly what he needs. Um, and 
and again, you know, speaking of competition, you know, as opposed to that PSG, I don't know, 10, 15 point gap, whatever it is, uh, Celtic and Rangers are even on points in the Scottish Premiership. And boy, yeah, you know, you want to be introduced to what it's like to play in uh, Derby. That That's as Derby as they come. Yep. No, I think it, it's really cool that he gets to, because Celtic is a big story club and everything, and yeah. he'll get a big role there, and I think that's very good. And even if he, you know, does the second half of the season there, and maybe they extend the loan another season, because uh, I'm still not quite sure that he's up to compete for a starting spot at PSG. He's yeah. only, you know, he's only 18, turning 19 here in late February. So if he gets regular playing time at Celtic, maybe does another loan move next season, continues to play week in, week out, prominent roles, scoring goals, creating, that's just so much gravy for the U.S. men's national team. Yeah, we'll see if he uh, <laughs> has a little I mean, more cause success it, cause really, in Scotland than Gideon Zalala managed after his loan spell yeah, there. Because, <laughs> I mean, if you look at it, Pulisic, yes, he's on the top of the totem pole as far as future for the U.S., but Tim Villa, definitely right underneath there. He's He needs to become one of the you know main pillars in this national team. Yeah, definitely. And I think that the two of them moving forward have the chance to be a tandem similar to the Donovan-Dempsey combination but on, on a whole again, different on, level. Uh, yeah, exactly. On an even higher level. Yeah. No, um, it's it's cool to see, and it's nice to see. Um, you know, we talked a lot about the youth of the U.S. men's national team and the players coming up here now, and it's been a long process. I mean, really, if you started as far back as you know when the U.S. started when they hosted the World Cup in 1994, really, like we're going to start from the grassroots. We're going to start building stuff. The MLS, you know, getting better and better and better. They're starting to produce young players that leave for Europe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's all it's all on track as far as that goes. And it's yeah. nice to see some of them pop up in these really major clubs in Europe now. I'm sorry, Seb. I'm still not at a place where six months after a missed World Cup, I'm willing to use the phrase on track. Okay, to I, un- the US I understand that. But as far as that was because of a poor coaching and the wrong players being played in key roles. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I just I don't have I don't have a ton of faith that that's going to radically change in the near future. The thing I do have faith in is the both the talent and the grit of some of these young players, like Christian Pulisic, and and yeah, I mean that was really the the greatest tragedy of. Well, I shouldn't say, you know, greatest, the real greatest tragedy of the World Cup is, you know, that slave labor is building stadia in Qatar. But from a purely sporting U.S. perspective, the real tragedy was that, you know, we have this great young talent in Christian Pulisic and we'd squander an opportunity for him to play for the United States on the biggest stage. Um, but, you know, you just got to hope that. Perhaps down the road, that means that uh, he's going to be even hungrier for the next opportunity, and hopefully he'll seize not only his club playing time at Stamford Bridge, but his opportunities for the U.S. down the road. 
Oh, absolutely true. No, it would have been a good a good learning experience for a lot of the young players if they would have made it for sure. Uh, although I don't know how many of the young players would have actually made the squad for the World Cup if they would have made it in. But for Pulisic, yeah, it would have been a great learning experience. Okay, moving back to the Premier League, we're moving down the table here. Arsenal in fifth place, 41 points. So three points behind Chelsea, very much in the battle for a top four position. Sort of a mixed bag here around the festive period. So a 3-1 to win over Burnley a couple of days before Christmas. Then Boxing Day, 1-1 draw away to Brighton. Then a tough 5-1 defeat on the road against Liverpool. And then they bounce back New Year's Day with a 4-1 win over Fulham. So I don't know what your feelings are here about these four past games here. My main feeling is by a defender. Okay. By, by two. two of them. Yeah. By two. By four. By three. <laughs> and you know what? It wouldn't help to it wouldn't hurt to have some support and depth in the squad and the front line also because with Welbeck injured, we really don't have that seasoned veteran who can come off the bench. All respect to Eddie and Kedia, but speaking yeah. of it's been young a, players. It's, it's actually been a while since he was injured, right? Yeah. Uh, and I, I think his timetable for return was February. Um, I could be wrong about that. No, look, I mean, the 4-1 win against Fulham, we didn't play as well as that scoreline suggests. I don't think we played quite as badly as the 5-1 scoreline at Liverpool suggests. But we did play poorly. I mean, we deserved to get stomped. Um, and especially going up 1-0 and then falling to pieces the way we did just shows. I mean, I've, I have, since not long after his arrival, I have never rated Mustafi very highly. You know, I gave him a season, and pretty much into his second, I was already just like, this guy's bonkers. And Xhaka, for all of his great qualities, gives the ball away in the middle of the pitch mm-hmm. all the time. And when you have a midfielder who gives the ball away as much as Xhaka does... And when you have a back line that is as fragile as we are, you know, we could have David De Gea between the sticks and we would still be conceding a ton of goals. And I don't think that it's fair to put it all on Bernd Leno. I think that he has made some mistakes, but overall, he's also saved a ton of goals. Like, it could be a lot worse were it not for him. But we need a defender. And, you know, you and I spoke a couple weeks ago about the prospect of getting Gary Cahill in. Mm-hmm. I still think that's fine. You know, I... I think I rate him more highly than a lot of people do, but he will be nothing more than a squad player, you know? And and we need we need a Virgil van Dyke type of signing. Now, I don't know that we're going to get that. I think that, you know, it's really hard to build... It's really hard to build a defense in the middle of this season in the January transfer window, but all of the signs show that we absolutely need to do that. And and the, the the club needs to back Emery, right? Like, this is a crucial period, you know. We had the... We opened the season with two consecutive defeats to very strong teams in City and Chelsea. We went on this amazing unbeaten run after that, raised expectations. Now we've struggled a bit. We were absolutely, you know, humbled is, to put it too lightly, humiliated at Anfield. And... That shows, you know, like, okay, well, you had initial adversity, some great success. Now you're, you know, the, the cracks are starting to show through the paper. 
you've got to invest in the squad. You've got to back the manager because if if they don't buy anybody in January, if they buy even as few as just one player, unless that player is truly world class, and even then I don't think that'll be enough for the top four. Yeah. But unless they they really invest and show ambition to let Emery have, you know, let him be as successful as he possibly can, then they will be doing wrong by him. And, and you know, this is a – I said it from the beginning of the season. This has always been a rebuilding year for Arsenal, right? New manager, top four was – and I said this at the beginning of the season on this show uh, – our loftiest of ambitions and we can't really be that disappointed if you know where we sit at the end of the season is three points off fourth place looking up at Chelsea I think that's realistic but but you also want you you know you want to at least be challenging for that if if we have with two games left to play if we have even a mathematical chance of finishing in the top four I will be totally happy with that you know of course, if we miss out on it, it'll be frustrating. Who knows what will happen in the Europa League? Maybe we'll, you know, be able to get into the top four or get into the Champions League with an actual trophy there. That all remains to be seen. But I, and I know many other Arsenal supporters with me, we just we just want our team to challenge for things, right? You know, you can't, you, you, we want to see, and you know, a year more realistically, maybe two years from now, I want to see an actual title challenge. You know, you can't say, oh, we have to win the league every year, otherwise it's a failure. No, that's ridiculous. But we just want to be, as I was saying earlier, in the conversation. Tottenham are, yeah, distant third, but they're in the conversation after 21 games played. And that's all I really want, you know, all I think that we can ask to be, and it's what we should aspire to be. I mean, it's Arsenal Football Club. You've got to invest in the squad. You've got to let Emery have a chance to play the kind of, high-pressing, energetic football that he wants to play. And in order to do that, you need a deeper squad, and you need just some better defenders. Yep. No, I think Cahill would be a good uh, player to get in here in January. Another player that has been rumored about is Reese Oxford. Yeah, I, I'm, and I've also heard rumors of um, this guy, I think Suarez is the last name, the midfielder from Barcelona, who was actually previously on loan at Man City. Um, I, I don't know. I think that I'm, I'm just I'm so jaded with Arsenal transfers. I'm no. sorry. That's fine. <laughs> we'll we'll see. Um, I'm not uh, I'm not overly optimistic. <laughs> hey, you know you know who's available? Who's that? Pepe. Oh God! <laughs> what a monster! He's, yeah, he's what thirty-five, thirty-six yep, now. Thirty-five. Yeah, it looks like he's going to go home to Portugal and Porto. Yeah, that it's yeah, a move that makes sense. That's too bad. That would have been hilarious to see him in the Premier League at thirty-five years old. Oof. <laughs> yeah, Arsenal. Uh, Denis Suarez. That's the guy. Um, so we'll see. It looks like you can get him fairly on the sheep, though. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, and i i would I would take a midfielder in his mid twenties for twenty million pounds who has experience at Barcelona with both hands. You know, I mean, and experience at Barcelona. Yeah, he's made 
five or six appearances all season. Um, but it's not uncommon for players to struggle for playing time at Barca and succeed elsewhere. You know, he was obviously much younger at the time, um, but, you know, look no further than a Hector Bellerin or even uh, Cesc Fabregas, yeah. right? Um, but it is very different in that, you know, Bellerin is, is in fact, younger than Denis Suarez is. So um, he's certainly had more opportunities. But, but again, we, we just if we need we need bodies. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. That's absolutely true. And there's, you know, we've been talking about Diego Godin a couple of times, or Godin, mm-hmm. and it looks like he's actually going to go to Inter in the summer as a free transfer, uh, which means that Milan Skiniar might be leaving Inter because he's on an expiring contract as well. And I think that would be a good pickup. I know Manchester United has been mentioned there, and I think that would that would really be a solid pickup for a team that wants to add some depth in their center back position. Oh uh, my gosh. I would, I would love to have him say, no, especially a free chance transfer. My goodness. Um, but, and then, uh, uh, I mean, uh, this is not with the premier league, but this is a big one too. It seems like Adrian Rabiot will go to Barcelona, uh, on a free. And that's a tough blow for PSG. Uh, is his, is his contract up? Really? Yep. Yeah. Oh, wow. Boy. Yeah, well, that, that's a know. tough loss, getting nothing for him. I mean, it's... Uh, I mean, another tough loss, speaking of getting nothing for him, is that it looks like Aaron Ramsey is all set to be uh, the fourth highest played player in Italy and a move to Juventus. Yeah, I mean, he was the captain again here now for Arsenal. Uh, could that be sort of a make sure, or to sort of convey that, hey, we want you to stay here? I don't know, man. I mean, that's... The the fact that they pulled the contract that was on the table off the table for Aaron Ramsey in the fall was mind-boggling enough as it is. I am I cannot pretend to understand or predict Arsenal's transfer business. Uh, I mean, I think that yeah, is there 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 must be there must be some backroom discussions of. How are we going to keep Ramsey? Are we going to keep Urzel? We can't really keep both. Urzel's already on these massive wages. It's hard for us to move him on. Maybe we just eat the cost of that and continue paying him those wages and hope we see that world-class player that we get occasional glimpses of. I, I don't know. Um, I mean, I don't think, and I sh- should say, I essentially know that what we see is not everything that's going on in the dressing room and the boardroom at Arsenal football club. I don't think that, I don't think for a minute that all of Ertzel's quote unquote injuries have been true injuries. Um, And I think that Aaron Ramsey is a player who has, you know, has won Arsenal silverware, you know, his, his goals have brought us FA cups and it's important to remember that. And even more to his credit, you know, even as the club is, kind of jerking him around, offering this contract, retracting the offer. He's continued to be a consummate professional and showed up and worked hard on the football pitch. Can we say the same of Mesut Ozil? I don't know that we can. No, that's Did, true. I would, much, I would much rather keep Ramsey than Ozil, even though I think that you have to say that Ozil's creative his pure creative talent is greater than Ramsey's, but you know what, you know, you think back to what is it now four years ago or so. And 
Aaron Ramsey's goal scoring tear, you know, that, that was as productive a midfielder as there was in all of Europe for yeah. a period. And he has that in his game. And I would, I would like to keep him. It'll be heartbreaking to see him leave. If we lose both of them, then boy, then, you know, we not only have to rebuild our back line, we have to rebuild our midfield too. Yep. No nope. last piece of Arsenal gossip. And that's, that they are um, trying to get Sengis Inder from Roma, 21-year-old oh, Turkish striker. I hadn't heard, hadn't heard that gossip, although it doesn't surprise me, Seb, that you are the one on the silly season. <laughs> yeah, Turkish site Photomac, uh, the oh, source God. here. So it looks like uh, they have some competition, though. Man United, Spurs, and City are also interested in the player. Who's been playing really well, uh, especially in the Champions League for Roma. Um, and then we got to talk Mario Balotelli. Uh, it looks like Newcastle wants to get in a, a bid there because uh, he's supposedly on uh, closing in on a move to Marseille from Nice. But to see him back in the Premier League would be awesome. See him at Newcastle would be hilarious. That would be great. I would, I would I, love to see just it. Imagining Mario Balotelli living in Newcastle <laughs> uh, would be quite interesting. That's for sure. Okay. Oh God, I would. I would love to see him back in the Premier League. Yes, I would too. So back to the table, and we're now down to sixth place. Manchester United, thirty-eight points, only three points behind Arsenal. Four straight wins after the firing of Jose Mourinho and in with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, the Norwegian super sub. And now he's the super sub manager. (laughs) I mean, Uh, 5-1 against Cardiff, 3-1 against Huddersfield, 4-1 against Bournemouth, and 2-0 against Newcastle. Yes, these are not top clubs, but it's fun to see the team going forward again, playing with some happiness and attacking play once more. Yeah, it's almost as though they remembered that their squad is worth hundreds of millions of pounds. Exactly. (laughs) Paul Pogba has looked amazing. Again, yes, I know the opposition hasn't been the best, but at the same time, it looks like it's, you know, everything has calmed down and a relief after Mourinho left, and I'm so happy that it finally came true. It was a Christmas miracle. Yeah, you know, and it's it's going to, this is getting a little ahead of ourselves, but looking forward into next weekend, you know, it makes that fixture against Spurs uh, really pretty mouthwatering. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. You know, it's, not a, it's not a struggling Jose side that you're going to expect to either grind out a 1-1 draw or, you know, fall to pieces and, lose a 3-1 game that isn't really a contest. Uh, This is, you know, a high-flying attacking Manchester United, which is what we have seen historically from them and what we have known that this squad is capable of. So that's, you know, for next Sunday. I'd rather see them lose 5-3 than 1-0. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's been fun watching them again. Uh, Solkar, you know, he's come in and... He's just said that, hey, you know, you know what you can do, you know, enjoy. We got to find the joy in the game again. Yeah. And it's just so uplifting seeing him in interviews and everything. And it's, yeah, 
it's uh, it's a weight lifted of my shoulders, and I bet it's a huge weight lifted off the players' shoulders. Now, let me ask you this, Seb. Yes. Do you think there is any chance that he stays on? And if so, what does he have to do in order to make that happen? A top four finish? Yeah. I think that could earn him a, a new deal. I know they got to buy him out from Molda. Because he's, I mean, he's only on loan from Molda. <laughs> Which is hilarious, too. Like, oh, can we, can we borrow your coach for a bit? Yeah. Um, I mean... I think even if they finish outside of the top four, a run in the Champions League. I mean, honestly, I don't think that eliminating PSG from the Champions League is enough. No, but that's a that's a huge step forward. Um, and it's it's you know again from an Arsenal perspective, I'm disappointed. You know, I pers- I despise Jose as a manager, and so watching him flounder anywhere is you know, some nice shot in Florida from my perspective. Um, and of course I'm not happy about the fact that, Oh, now this incredibly valuable, talented squad is playing up to their potential only three points behind us. But again, from a neutral perspective, it's nice to see United playing like United again. It's nice to be excited about this fixture with them against Tottenham coming up next weekend. It's nice to be excited about, you know, PSG traveling to Old Trafford yep. and not just expecting PSG to absolutely eviscerate them next month. So, yeah, I've got to, uh, I've got to try to kind of take off my. Uh, although it's funny, I'm literally wearing an Arsenal kit right now as we're recording <laughs> this. But to take off my personal colors and try to be neutral and say, yeah, it's, it's good for the game to see Manchester United being Manchester United again. Yeah, I still think that you know a fourth spot in the table is the highest you can hope for. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least the hope is there now. The There's some form of optimism around the club again, which is nice. We'll see. I'm not sure they're going to do any big moves here in the transfer window. Uh, they've been some rumors, of course. There's always rumors with Manchester United. Maybe if they can get in Skinnyar, that would be uh, a good signing. Um get another central defender in there. I think we finally seen uh, Victor Lindelof sort of get his feet under him here in the Premier League now. He's played really well for them the uh, past couple of months. But I'm still not sure if, you know, Chris Smalling and even Eric Bailly's looked a bit shaky. And then there's Phil Jones, which, you know, he's Phil Jones. So another cent- central defender would be nice to see in there. As the alarm goes off again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got to gotta get my laundry out, man. <laughs> yep, there you go. Uh, one thing towards the bottom of the table, Burnley with two straight wins over West Ham and Huddersfield have climbed out of the relegation zone and into 16th place. Still extremely tight at the bottom. I think Huddersfield, we can sort of, they're done for. They have 10 points. Yeah. But then you got Fulham 14, Southampton 16, Cardiff and Burnley, and Newcastle on 18, and then Palace on 22. Boy, I I don't want to say that Fulham are done for, but they're, they're already really on the brink. I mean, they have conceded 10 more goals than Huddersfield, yep. you know, and they've got talent moving forward, but... 
boy, they really, you know, what, speaking of watching Arsenal destroy them 4-1, and again, like Fulham looked better than that scoreline suggests, but they at no point really looked like they were going to handle the game. And yeah, and I, I tell you what, clubs are going to be circling, and I would even want Arsenal to be one of them because I think Andre Scherler could be the next Jordan Shakiri, you know, a really oh, talented yeah, yeah, yeah. player who is not going to be playing in the championship. Absolutely not. And there are going to be clubs after him and as well, they should be because he's talented and it's a shame because he's not, you know, he's being underutilized. Can we, we, I think you got to give Rainieri a little more time to try to right the ship, but they didn't have the immediate new manager kind of boost that certainly United have seen, but they really need in order to get out of that relegation zone. And I just, if they, unless something changes pretty substantially at Craven Cottage, I, I'm afraid the cottages are going back down. Yeah, I, I think they have a couple of players that are solid, for sure, that other teams would snap up. I think, like you said, Shirley should be one of those players. I think Mitrovic could still play a part in the Premier League, maybe not as your go-to guy, but definitely a good you know, op- B option. I think, you know, if Spurs for example. They've tried for so long to find someone behind Kane. Yeah. Mitrovic, different type of player, but at the same time, I don't think he would embarrass himself. I mean, I'll be honest, I would take him as precisely the kind of Welbeckian squad player that I was bemoaning the lack of earlier on the show. You know, he's, he's a, yeah, yeah, precisely that role, right? You know, he's never going to be – he's an Andy Carroll. <laughs> he's mm. never going to be worth $35 million, you know, a striker to build your whole team around. But he's serviceable. He'll score you some goals. Yep. No, that's absolutely true. Uh, Leicester, we should say, lastly, has been a, on a good tear here too. For three wins in the last four. They beat Chelsea 1-0. They beat Man City 2-1. Then they lost against Cardiff, and then they beat Everton. So Leicester showing up for the bigger games here. Yep. Okay, with that, we're going to wrap things up. We'll talk to you again later. Or, yeah, we'll talk to you next week before we get into more Premier League action as we have FA Cup going on this weekend. Uh, We'll maybe mention that in the next episode. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Until then, be sure to follow us on social media. On Twitter, I'm Seb Norin. Elliot is Keats was better and then give one yank one Swede. That's the number one yank number one Swede a follow as well. Until next time, have a good one. Bye-bye.